Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Walmart Plus members save on meeting up with friends. Save on having them over for dinner with free delivery with no hidden fees or markups. That's groceries plus napkins plus that vegetable chopper to make things a bit easier. Plus, members save on gas to go meet them in their neck of the woods. Plus, when you're ready for the ultimate sign of friendship, start a show together with your included Paramount Plus subscription. Walmart Plus members save on this plus so much more. Start a 30-day free trial at walmartplus.com. Paramount Plus is central plan only. Separate registration required. See Walmart Plus terms and conditions. A Podcast One production. Hi, I'm Nat Kringudis. And I'm Cecilia Ramsdale. Welcome to The Wellness Collective, a podcast where we invite you to be part of our wellness community to share, learn and live better. Hello, Nat. Hello, Cecilia. Here we are. We are back. It's very exciting to be here today because this one's a bit different. It is. Yes. But I'm excited to learn because... I feel like you might have, well, both of us have got a different level of understanding about mm-hmm. today's episode. That's and the usually the that case with the topics that we cover, I'd like to point I out. know. Well, we're a bit excited because today we are actually talking about stem cells. Mm-hmm. Stem cells. What I they mean, are. Yeah, what are they? they Where do they come from? <laughs> Why are they useful? Yeah, absolutely. I know that, uh, I, well, I'm particularly interested because of an angle of uh, genetics and Geordie's um, situation and this is a one area that there seems to be a lot mm-hmm. of research and hope um, for kids that are suffering with things like Geordie has. It does feel a little bit science fiction though. Mm-hmm. I've got to say, I have. Uh, I, I went to a meeting that you couldn't go to and we got a bit of a background on this and I was like, wow, this is blowing my little mind when it comes to technology and stuff. Oh, there's big vats where they, like, it's like... Like a lab, it's pretty exciting stuff. But it's not about growing ears on the back of mice. Remember when that was a thing a little <laughs> while ago when they were like experimenting with how they could grow things yes, from stem cells? Yes. No, today, like you hinted at, um, when it comes to <laughs> genetic, uh, what's the right thing to say? Conditions. Conditions, that's yes. the word. Because I'm like, disorder? That doesn't sound no, right. That sounds a bit morphed. It does. Yeah, <laughs> no, conditions. I like the word conditions and I try, unless something's terminal, I try and avoid the word disease. Yeah? No. Oh. Conditions. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. No, fair enough. Anyway. All right. So that's what we're talking about today. Now, we have travelled to the other side of our fair country to find somebody who can talk about how stem cells really made an enormous impact on her and her family's life. Hi. um, My name is Brenda and I'm a mother of two beautiful children. I've got a boy and a girl. Also a midwife. I've been a midwife for about nine years and... um, this is something that also I became quite familiar with when it was time to um, sort of have a look at what options were available for my son, which has been a, a massive eye-opener for me. <laughs> so that's why I'm here to, to speak with you today. Amazing. Okay. Tell us about your son. Mm. Well, uh, my son was um, born in 2015. He is a beautiful boy, just started school today. He was It was a beautiful pregnancy. We had um, a really beautiful 
delivery and we didn't know that anything was obviously wrong with him until I guess mother's instinct starts to kick in. Um, about nine months of age, I noticed that he was uh, very uh, one-sided um, when in with movements. He was very dominant on his right side um, and it took about nine months to finally get a diagnosis and um, he, uh, it turns out that he had suffered a stroke while I was still pregnant with him. Wow. <laughs> yeah, so he now obviously because of his uh um, I guess a condition. So he's um, he has cerebral palsy uh, because he's got left-sided weakness to his body. So just to track back, I mean, obviously you didn't know until you started to see those sorts of signs, but how common is it to have a stroke in utero? I know. Well, even as a midwife, I actually didn't even know that. Yeah, <laughs> I've never heard of that before, no. Uh, And obviously, I guess, you know, um, Google helped and lots of research articles. um, And there's really no known cause as to why, uh, I guess, unborn babies can have strokes in utero, but it's approximately one in two and a half thousand a year that can actually have um, suffers. Right. That's amazing. And so when you realised that something was amiss and you, what did you think initially was going on? Um, I wasn't quite sure being seen as, you know, he was, he was my first child. It was just, okay. Um, I guess noticing that he would do things quite differently to other children, like crawling or just, um, I guess doing things like, yeah, (laughs) not as any other child would, would do. Um, I never, it never crossed my mind that stroke or cerebral palsy, was a part of it. I just thought maybe he's just got tight muscles. Mm-hmm. or um, So I sent him, to, uh, took him to physio thinking maybe he just needed a good little stretch to his, his legs. And um, I took him to a chiropractor as well thinking, okay, maybe it's just the way he sleeps because he loved to sleep on his side or on his tummy um, as he grew older. And I sort of just thought, okay, well, okay, <laughs> what is it? And um, it wasn't until I noticed he was struggling to pick things up with his, or hold things with his left hand that I knew it was becoming something more serious. Okay. And so you got to the bottom of what it was. Let's jump forward a little bit to why we're here, which is to talk about stem cell treatment. How did that happen? <laughs> um, it's funny, actually. Um, I, My husband and I, well, we fell pregnant with my daughter very um, unexpectedly. Uh-huh. Well, all this was going on, was it? <laughs> a moment of weakness? <laughs> a little bit. <laughs> and um, I had severe morning sickness with her, a very different pregnancy to, to my boy. And um, I struggled to sort of look after my boy or take him to therapy as well as working. And um, so my husband just had had enough of seeing me with my head in the toilet and he goes, no, you're going to hospital. I need, you, you need, you can't even, you mm. know, keep water down. You need something. So um, he took me to the hospital and it was obviously the emergency was quite um, busy and I felt quite foolish being a midwife and, <laughs> and going and seeking help for, you know, for severe morning sickness. But then um, we went to the after hours GP and while we were sitting and waiting, uh, I went and just, had to look at the brochures as we do and I noticed that um, there was the stem cell uh, 
uh, brochure there. And right next to that brochure was a um, cerebral palsy trial uh, brochure. And I looked at it and I thought, this is different. So I went and I sat down and I could have just burst into tears just reading it and knowing that, you know, I had just fallen pregnant, you know, um, and that they would, this trial was free and it was them collecting, uh, you know, their siblings' cord blood to hopefully, you know, infuse in the child with cerebral palsy. Right. So you'd found out that Brody had cerebral palsy and then you found out you were pregnant and then you found out that the the stem cells that you could collect from this next baby's mm-hmm. cord blood could help him. Yes. Wow, that's serendipitous. It's very, yeah. it's like the gates opened and the angel sung. Oh. <laughs> Don't you love the way life works like that? You know, another day you wouldn't have picked up the brochure, but that day no. you did and then it all came together. Yeah, and I actually haven't found that brochure again. No. Um, and yeah, it was just that one time. It was amazing. So what happened from there? Can you step us through then what the process was for you after obviously you needed to have your baby first, your little girl? Yeah, so um, we applied for the trial and it was yeah, it's just a matter of we got sent the stem cell box when I was in my last trimester of pregnancy. And when we went into labour, we called the cord blood collection person and they came to collect Zoe's blood, Zoe's my daughter. They sent them off and they just said, just call us in about two weeks just to um, express that you are still interested in it and just to make sure that the cells have been stored. And so I did after a couple of weeks and they did say that um, providing that my daughter and um, my son were a a match, then they would go ahead with, um, well, we were flown to Melbourne and he would have the infusion done. Right. So jumping forward to the infusion, was it just a matter of like a, like a blood transfusion? Yes, exactly the same. Yeah. So he, um, the stem cells were only infused for half an hour. Um, it was a day procedure. Obviously they just wanted to monitor him before and, and after the, the bloods, but he just had a couple of hours of fluid beforehand, half an hour for the, the stem cells. And then a few, a couple more hours, um, post the, the infusion, the cell infusion. And that was it. We went back to our hotel and he was bouncing away as if nothing had happened. <laughs> wow. And then what, in terms of how long that started to take effect, what did you notice moving forward from then? Uh, well, we, because we were flown to Melbourne and he had the infusion on the 12th of December. So this was all around Christmas time. So it was an amazing gift we were given. But literally two weeks after his infusion, uh, he we noticed that he was starting to use his left hand, his left upper limb, without us having to remind him to use it. So it was such a, like a fluid movement that my husband and I hadn't even noticed that it was his left hand moving. It was, we just assumed it was his right side <laughs> and <laughs> to actually look and think, oh, wow, he's actually using his left side. We just burst into tears. <laughs> we just thought, like, could this be real? Like why, you know, what a coincidence that two weeks after an infusion, he's now using his hand without us having to actually remind him or, or tell him to use it as a helping hand. And he just blossomed from, from then on, really. I probably should have asked before, just in terms of physically what he was showing, I know you said his left side, but could you tell us exactly 
prior to the infusion. Um, he obviously struggled with walking and, and yeah. hand movements on the left. So he can walk. He uses a, a splint to help him walk. It's called an AFO. Um, so that's for his left leg. And for his uh, hand movements or his upper limb, he's always, um, so I guess if you imagine uh, someone who has suffered a stroke, they're quite tense and their arm is sort of bent all the time. And his fine motor skill was very poor. So he wasn't able to use a pincer grip or actually pick things up off the table that was small or use any like his hand to support anything so like you know the plate when we're having dinner or anything like that we always had to encourage him to use that left hand to try and support whatever he was trying to do um, with his right side. And so then from there you had the infusion is it just one infusion that's required or then you required more treatment after that? No just that one. Wow. Wow. I just want to take it a step back. So you talked about the stem cells that we used to treat Brody came from his sister's cord blood. Is that right? That's right. Okay. So for those playing along at home, the cord blood comes from when the baby is born, it's collected from the umbilical cord that's connected to the placenta. Correct, yes. Right, okay. So there is also the thing of compatibility. So you tried this, but was there a chance that it wouldn't have worked? Yes, so there is actually a one in four chance that they were a match um, just because of this study. Um, I guess they had certain criteria. Being, Being a safety study here in Australia, they had to, I guess, more strict criteria to, to meet. Um, even though both children have the same parents, the you know the blood technically were the same, but I think more just for their trial purposes, um, there was a one in four chance. And so, as part of this, I guess you obviously you did your research. You understood that it was going to help um, in Brody's instance. But when you learnt about this, could you talk about? In your understanding, what are some of the other conditions that, you know, possibly might respond to the same type of treatment? Yes, so they are doing um, studies and they have seen quite a lot of improvements in children with autism. Uh, They're currently doing a type 1 diabetes trial as well. That is kind of showing whether they can improve sort of the insulin levels and the the rate of which how much medication would be required. Um, But they also treat a lot of cancers like leukaemia, anemia. So all these uh, severe conditions have actually been shown that there is quite a significant improvement. Mm. So my other question is, you've collected the cells from the cord. You have more of that left over, I would assume? No, that's it. Yeah. Okay, because I was wondering about things like, you know, what happens if it gets stored and then where does it get stored? And again, it's a similar question to be asked, I thought, with, you know, IVF and the eggs that are left over. And if you've got fertilised embryos sitting there, you've got to make a decision of what to do with them. And I wondered whether or not it was a similar situation, I guess, for people that are collecting it and just holding on to it. And that's an option, right? Yeah. You can collect it and just store it for if and when you need it? Yeah, so for up to 18 or even 25 years, you can store it. So if my daughter and my son hadn't been a match for this particular trial, if by any chance, if something else had happened to any of one of us with either leukaemia or something, that would have been hopefully an option for us because it's technically our cells that were stored. Can I ask you something? When you did this, it was a trial, wasn't it? Trial, yes. Yeah. So were you told whether or not there was a possibility that it may not 
have an effect? Uh, yes, they did. They had to. Um, but because this is the first trial here in Australia and it's actually the first sibling trial done, I did a lot of research and there's actually a lot of research in from the UK, Korea and even the US where there has been amazing success rates for children with cerebral palsy and the use of stem cells, whether it's their own or donor stem cells. So that's where I got my my drive to, to get <laughs> because there's, there there's a lot of positive research out there. It's just unfortunately we're a bit behind here in Australia. Oh, so In a few aspects, but we're getting there. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, no, I know, we are. And my yeah. other question was, was there any concerns that you had? I can't see that there would be, but I guess it's mm, probably side a question to or anything. ask. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, we were explained that the side effects would be um, sort of flu-like symptoms, um, a rash, uh, the, the more severe one was graft versus host disease, which is whether the body, I guess, wouldn't accept the cells. Um, but it's, it's very rare. We were told it would be a very rare case and it's only while the cells are sort of running through my son's body, which, by the, and he did have lots of blood tests for it, but by the three-month mark, he, the cells had left his system, um, but he didn't have any any side effects not even a runny nose <laughs> he was um he was very healthy throughout the whole process it was really incredible mm. and it is science fiction because it's one of those wonderful <laughs> things where you think about it's taking the very basic sort of things that make us human but using technology it's like going back to basics but using technology in a way that we would never have been able to do before to use it for our own purposes and good. It's extraordinary. I know. I, I quite like the, a lot of things in this vein are very, um, there's a lot of fear around it. It's very mm. complicated. And this just seems really like, right, well, that makes sense. And it's straightforward. <laughs> and it doesn't often happen that way. So it's, it's. I love that. And obviously being able to um, really address something on a cellular level is phenomenal. Yeah. Mm. What Brenda was going through is all in the trial phase. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Where it's actually used right now is in place of bone marrow for transplants. Yep. So that's the actual use cases. Mm -hmm. So Brenda was extremely fortunate to yes. have seen that wow. brochure. It was mm. incredible. So we had some more technical questions. Of course, we love mm -hmm. hearing about patient or personal experience. Absolutely, because then you get the raw stuff about uh -huh. what it was really like to go through something, which I think we can all take something from. Absolutely. But we've got Tom Johnson from Cell Care. We kind of put him on the spot. We did. Because he was sitting here next to us and we go, we've got some more questions. <laughs> so Tom's kindly... He's a good sport. <laughs> absolutely, kindly agreed to answer some of those more technical questions that I was, you know, keen to, to ask. I have many friends in the medical industry, Tom, and one of the... I actually asked a few people today, what do you want to know? about stem cells because I was curious about the collective and a couple of friends who are in medicine said, one said, they're not even a thing. <laughs> and I was like, all right, we really need to debunk this because if we've got doctors that are saying that they're not a thing, and this happens I see in my line of work too. I, mm. Some doctors don't believe in natural killer cells, for example, but there are many doctors who absolutely do when it comes to um, IVF and the uterus. Um, so, Let's talk about that. Stem cells, are they a thing? Uh, absolutely, they're a thing. Um, the, the first cord blood stem cell transplant was over 30 years ago. So we've had, it, it's not a brand new thing. <laughs> it's, we've had a long time to 
um, work on the science behind that. Now, that first um, stem cell transplant was for Fanconi anemia, and it, it was used in place of a bone marrow transplant okay. to reboot the um, Matthew Farrow, his name was, uh, his immune system after chemotherapy. Wow. So most of the cases today um, are to treat 80 plus diseases mm. in place of bone marrow where you would reboot the immune system after treatment. And I guess it's a lot less invasive than a bone marrow transplant, mm. is it? Well, it, the From my is, limited understanding it, of bone marrow transplants. It's a lot less invasive, certainly for the donor, mm. because these are collected at birth and they're an exact match for the child. Or if it's a sibling, um, they will be a, a close enough match. And a sibling donor is often preferred to a non-related donor. Mm-hmm. For, um, that makes sense. Well, makes sense. Certainly less invasive. Um, the collection of the cord blood happens without you really knowing it's happened because it's right after birth. It's come out of the umbilical cord. So certainly that part of it is not invasive at all. That's so, so interesting. I know. Because otherwise it ends up on the floor in the bin. <laughs> well, exactly. <laughs> or, yes. Yeah. Um, that's the only way we can get what we need is from the cord. Is there any other way of collecting that later on in life? You can collect cells later on in life. These cells are at their purest form. So they haven't had time to decay, mm-hmm. for lack of a better word. They haven't had um, pollutants. Mm, environmental um, factors. So for all those reasons, these are the purest forms of stem cells for a person. Right, wow. And then in terms of storage, I know we were asking Brenda, you know, how are they stored? And then do you obviously have an option if you don't need it all? They're not going to be stored forever. So you, I think she you can donate them to they, other people, can't So theoretically, they can be stored forever. Okay. We offer 18, well, 20 and 30 year plans now. Um, and that's how long they've been proven to be stored. Okay. But the science says that they can actually be stored forever. Right, because, you know, you might be 45 before you need them and then you're like, mm. dang it, I let it go at 30 years and <laughs> now I need that. But also the idea with donor, how does that actually work? I, I imagine it's not um, straightforward. There's there's sort of a red tape, much like a donor egg. Yeah, so to donate your core blood stem cells, it's it's you go through a donation process, which is very similar to storing them for yourself. There's a, It's a blood product which is stored. Um, you can donate it at one of 11 hospitals in Australia, um, which we you know, absolutely support people donating their core blood stem cells. It goes on a registry, which is a global registry and can be used by anyone around the world. Um, wow, you could be helping wow. someone on the other side of the world. And so what are you it's looking incredible. for in a match? What are you looking for when you're saying, yep, this works. So there are six key matches that are HLA matches. Um, it's a very scientific term, human leukocyte. Um, mm-hmm. I don't want to embarrass myself, but uh, <laughs> they. So a, a full match is six out of six, and then you can get partial matches, whereas five, four, etc. Um, and so with siblings, it's a quarter chance of an exact match, but a seventy-five percent chance of a partial match. Okay, so a sibling will almost always be useful. Almost always, but yeah, there are instances it's... where it's not a match. Yeah. Um, for a donor, obviously, then that just goes out. It's very similar to a bone marrow match. You're, you're matching, um, except for you don't. The sibling, obviously, is the closer yeah. and preferred source. I am fascinated about this. I had my son in 2010, and I do not remember it being anything that remotely even crossed my 
no, desk of, no. of things that were possible. Absolutely. I donated a placenta to science. I remember doing that. I remember, but, I remember dissecting those at school. <laughs> Good well, times. It's, it's actually a really interesting point because there was a survey done by the University of Sydney or facilitated by them in 2014. With It was a decent-sized survey, about 1,700 um, pregnant women, and 93% of those women felt that it should be something that is taught through the antenatal class mm. process. If they felt they wanted to be in a position to make their mind the up of whether to store the stem cells or not. And, you know, the information is valuable for someone to make an informed choice rather than, um, as you say, not hearing about it at all yeah. or hearing about it too late because um, mm. it really is something that you have to organise Or on the day 30, you go 30. into labour. Well, yeah, you know. I mean, at that point, it, we, we actually have facilitated that, yeah. um, but it makes it a bit more complicated. Oh, absolutely. So one other question, when the cells are actually transferred... What is actually happening? Is it that it's just encouraging the body to replicate those cells in the same way? So for a, when you're rebooting the immune system, it literally is, you, you've used chemotherapy to kill off the bad cells and the new cells are really rebooting your whole blood um, producing system mm -hmm. with healthy blood cells. Um, with something like um, the regenerative medicine trials that are going on with autism, cerebral palsy, type 1 diabetes, it's more about um, reducing inflammation and facilitating connections that were lost for various reasons. So, so does it get down to the, I'm not sure if this is your field, but if you think about something like autism, does it get into sort of like the genetic can it get in and fix little bits? Is that what? Well, I feel like it's, it's like a computer. I don't know. Yeah, it's a very it's good question. Really no, I'm not on the science side of it, but the best way to explain it is if you're inflamed, it calms the inflammation uh -huh. and facilitates connections and mm. flow of blood and well, energy, I suppose. To reboot. Yeah. yeah. It's exciting in many areas. You say that there's up to, did you say 80 different things? that Just over 80. And a lot of them are blood cancers, mm -hmm. um, immune disorders that obviously is, is where things are at now. 10 years ago, there were 34. So mm, it's come mm. a long way in 10 years. And then as science and technology improves, we expect that to increase in the future. It's amazing. It really could be endless because if you think about, uh -huh. if they're the building blocks that create tiny human bodies, there could be no end to what they could fix right. and, and build and mm -hmm. stuff. And I really am interested in the ear on the back of the mouse. Do you remember yes. that? Is yes. that just me? Yes, yeah. no, I remember. Yeah. <laughs> That's not a visual you're going to forget. <laughs> no, that is true. Would you like to share with us uh, the website for cell care so that if people are looking at information and they can find out which hospitals are involved and, and how they can go about looking at donating blood for themselves or for the, the greater good? I really like that. Mm. I like an altruistic mm. kind of uh, thing like that. Absolutely. Um, we call uh, cell care a family bank where mm -hmm. you're storing for yourself or your family members. Or sorry, the child or the family members. Um, our address is www.cellcare.com.au um, and we have a lot of information there for both public um, donation and obviously private storage. Mm -hmm. um, there's easy access to the public donation hospitals um, through a quick Google search as well. Yeah. Um, but we collect at most hospitals around Australia 24-7. Um, so we have a collector network that physically goes can go to your hospital and, and assist with the collection. Get so really, ready. 
everyone just needs to donate their, their cord, cord blood. Cord yeah. blood, yes. Yeah. And then the world might be a healthier place all of a sudden. Yeah. Happier, healthier and better. Uh, uh, well, yes. <laughs> oh, just one last question before you go. That's interesting that, that you say that so many hospitals are, and, and it's 24-7 that they're on board. Uh, do you still have that thing where you would go to your GP and, and they would just look at you blankly and say, I have no idea why you would? Like, is it is it a commonly known? Well, uh, I think the, the one thing is when you're going to a GP for pregnancy, mm. it's quite a different thing than when you're going to a specialist for True. something like autism or mm. um, cancer, your oncologist, etc. So there is a bit of a... So it's, but it's common practice. It's not something that if you walked into your specialist and you said, I've heard about this and I want to try it, that they would look at you blankly. Oh, Do you know no, what I no, mean? No, it's no, it's no. well no, known no, enough. It's, I think really we're you know trying to empower people to really look into it themselves. And mm. if it's something that you feel it's right for you, at least you've had the opportunity Knowledge to... Knowledge is power. Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. Mm, I love it. Right. Well... I feel invigorated once again. Invigorated. Yes, the, oh. the knowledge that we have. Although I am kind of annoyed that I didn't know about it because I, I had two opportunities and I didn't well, take them Well, I up. know, right? I would yeah. have loved, well, in hindsight, imagine having Livia's for Geordie. That could be... That could have been life-changing. Mm. Um, we have some new reviews before oh, we go. Look, sorry, Tom, you're just going to have to sit through the review. Yes. Did I ever read you the one that says Cecilia's voice is beautiful? It's like a song. <laughs> Um, Clearly, the, they I haven't listened to enough of the po- these podcasts. And there's also one that says that, that this person's a bit biased towards Nat. <laughs> oh. So oh, equally sharing the love Equal there. Love. Good. Um, but no, yeah. there are quite a few new ones. I'm going to read out one of the more recent Please ones. Please do. Um, Happy New Year. 2020, mm-hmm. Cecilia and Nat. I've listened to all your podcasts and interviews, and it's just hard to choose one. But I think the one with Wayne Swash, because I can never say his surname, Swash, um, stood out for me just because it was so relatable to my husband. I love your banter and humour, girls, and the different topics you cover. To listen to you, girls, is like putting on a pair of comfy slippers with a freshly brewed cup of tea. Cecilia will be very happy I with do that. Like yes. a cup of tea, it's true. <laughs> all the best for the coming year, and may your podcast reach out to more people and receive all the recognition. It deserves Emma from Eltham. She's one of your people. Oh, Do you know Emma? I think I might know her. That That is. <laughs> Thank you, Emma. That's very kind. You, and I did not ask her to write that. I would just right, like to say. Some nice little music emojis there Aww. as well. So we love that. Thank you, Emma. We do love a review. We love a rating. Mm-hmm. So if you, um, don't be shy. And if you've already rated before, <laughs> well, be then shy. just leave a review. <laughs> I mean, you know, we don't, we don't discriminate against either. We Absolutely. Like and we are available now on Spotify. So if you've got that friend that says, oh, I only listen to podcasts on Spotify, you can say, well, you need to listen to the Wellness Collective. Yes, invite them along. You do that. To join the collective. Good, thank you. Absolutely have enjoyed this episode today. Mm-hmm. Thanks to our special guests for taking the time to chat with us and educating the collective because uh-huh. that's what it's all about. That's right. Our encyclopedia is growing. I know, right? Until next time, we do hope that this episode has left you feeling happier, healthier and better. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Walmart Plus members save on meeting up with friends. 
Save on having them over for dinner with free delivery with no hidden fees or markups. That's groceries plus napkins plus that vegetable chopper to make things a bit easier. Plus, members save on gas to go meet them in their neck of the woods. Plus, when you're ready for the ultimate sign of friendship, start a show together with your included Paramount Plus subscription. Walmart Plus members save on this plus so much more. Start a 30-day free trial at walmartplus.com. Paramount Plus, a central plan only. Separate registration required. See Walmart Plus terms and conditions.